Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. Yes, but for everyone out there who is new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, tea in the fridge. Cheers. It's a Sunday. And we're we're sticking to that 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 bottled goodness. Can't beat it. Mm, no way. <laughs> so I am sitting here with my friend, someone who I have known for over a decade. I think longer than the probably. Old, I mean, over, over a dec over a decade. <laughs> that implies longer. Yeah. Okay. But you know, we have never actually like really sat down and hung out and talked no. outside of some chaotic live <laughs> show environment. Inside so. Of Make some noise for my friend, Jordan of The Breathing Process. Ah, I was making a real I'll, I'll, I'll pipe in the, okay, the, the yeah, you know, we we'll that. pipe in the fake stuff, like Make the backtracks. Make that I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So what is cooking? Not too much. Uh, we just got back from uh, Toledo Death Fest yesterday, which was pretty rad. Was, nice. Uh, with like jungle rot and the convalescence and stuff. Uh, it was fun. We had the absolute worst sound guy I've ever experienced <laughs> in my entire life. Okay. And I like, so. For, for a death metal fest. Yeah, for anything. For, okay. I don't know if he could mic one person to, wow. to, to call over the intercom at McDonald's to make okay. french fries. Like, okay. He, it was like you, so you've seen like our setup a little, like we, we run a lot of things live, but we have it set up so efficiently that the only thing we need from any sound guy any given day is microphone cables yes nothing else yes i don't even need your opinion on <laughs> on any of this just give me three microphone cables or four technically and so we're up there and like the changeover between bands because it was two stages so um when one band ends the five minutes after that the next one starts so we had like a 40 minute like changeover time which is great for us because yeah. we have a lot of things to set up so we were ready to ready to roll ready to line check in like 20 minutes he disappeared for like 15 minutes then he comes back and he's like all right i'm ready to go and we're looking around like are you gonna mic the drums or my guitar cab maybe <laughs> uh, so then he comes up and looks at it like he's like it's like a real head scratcher for him and he's like I don't think I have enough mic lines. And I'm like, for the drums? Because that's pretty standard practice at most venues. Like you mic the drums, unless it's like a really small Especially for like shop a thing. metal show. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, it's a it was a pretty big, it's like a good thousand cap venue, I think, yeah. if not more. Like Weird. That the sound, like they should have like the standard 16 at the least. Sure. You know? Um, He had like, eight i think maybe okay maybe nine i don't know but it was just like i had to tell him three separate times to mic our drum kit and my guitar cab because he just didn't feel like it needed not that because some venues like either you don't necessarily need to mic the cabs um but this one you need to mic the cabs and yeah. he, he mic'd one of them he mic'd one cab and he gave us the line from the kick mic to for our kick trigger mm -hmm. and uh he plugged a line into the DI box for the keyboard. Cool. So that's all he felt like we needed before he took his 20-minute break. So 
This is a perfect segue into a question that I love to ask a lot of people, but I would love to ask you because the breathing process has been an entity for a long time. As I've mentioned, we've known each other for over 10 years and mm. that whole time you've been a part of the breathing process. That I have. A lot of bullshit has mm. happened for your band. <laughs> Any band I've been in, bullshit happens in bands. Sure. One of the perks. You're still fucking doing it. You're still dealing with ding dongs. It can't fucking mic a, a kick drum. <sighs> Why do you keep doing it? What is it that's driving you to keep dealing with this nonsense? <laughs> do you just love metal that much? What I, is it? Uh, you know, I'm. I love just masochism. I think is what it is. <laughs> yeah. If you ever really want to have a miserable existence, play in a band for a while, and that's good for you. No, I um. Uh, to me, like mu playing music, writing music, performing, it's like it's always been kind of therapy for me. I think it's like that for most people who play music. You know, it's it's your avenue to escape your your otherwise mundane existence, working a nine to five or yeah, whatever it is that you do that isn't fun but is required for kind of survival. You know, like. It's it's really at the end of the day, it's like the most expensive hobby you could possibly get into, but it's extremely fulfilling and I've never really found anything else that kind of fills the same space, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've always just done it. Like I've never, I don't know if I've, I guess I have thought about like not doing it anymore, but anytime I get like that, I'm just like, well, what the hell else am I going to do? Like, sure. You know, am I going to start collecting like, you know, baseball cards. Or uh huh. Like that. Actually, that was a bad example. No, I'm, that, I'm old. People used to collect baseball cards. No one does that anymore. But <laughs> they collect know, Pokemon cards. Yeah, though. yeah. That would have been a better example. You know, like it's just there's, it's it's who I am, and I think any musician who's really serious about it, regardless of, you know, what level you reach with music, like that's at, at the end of the day, that's what it means to you. It's it's your yeah. It's your outlet for whatever. Uh, I don't, yeah. I got it's, you, dude. It's your outlet. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that is, you know, really shitty about being in a band is that you have these passions and this drive to do all of this stuff, right? And mm -hmm. that's why you keep doing what you're doing. But there's so much other stuff that I feel like we, neither of us give a fuck about. Like, mm -hmm needing to like promote and schmooze and wine and dine fucking ding-dongs that you don't fucking care about to that try to get them to somewhat give a shit about your band when like all you fucking want to do is show up and play. Yeah. But in order to like get onto some stages or get certain opportunities, like you really got to like question or like at least I've found that like I got to like tap into a side of myself like a person that doesn't actually exist in me i gotta try to become like somebody else to like hype myself up especially in this like underground metal community and mm -hmm. like what has it been like for you over the years because you seem like a pretty calm collected guy like you know you're on stage you play guitar you look scary and angry but outside <laughs> of that you probably just want to like i want to keep to myself i don't feel like dealing with a lot of bullshit you seem like that kind of guy i very much am yeah, I don't, like, <laughs> I don't like human beings. So, That's really like, what it comes but yeah, to. again, like the, all of this back end stuff, it's so yeah. social, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you have to, 
kind of, I mean, it's, it's not, I don't know if I'd call it like force yourself to like just be a part of a scene as a whole because you do enjoy it in a lot of aspects of it. But you definitely like for the self-marketing, like you've got to kind of, you know, talk to more people than you probably want to or interact. Right. You have to send way more emails than you would like to in a day. And that like, sort of thing. Yeah, not only do you got to like talk to people about yourself, but you have to be like, yo, like Constant this is fucking mode. awesome, right? Yeah. And like, wow, it's like, I'm sure you are very confident in the stuff that you put, put out. And mm -hmm. I know you probably like it. I like my stuff. I have a hard time telling somebody you should listen to this because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like it just seems <laughs> absurd to me to say that to somebody. It's not always not enough of a point <laughs> to make like, yeah, you know, everybody, because as, as, as the other side of it, it's like the consumer or promoter that you're trying to like kind of get in with or labels or whatever. Yeah. Like, of course, to you, your music's awesome. And it takes, it took me a really long time to be able to like <clears throat> step outside myself and view my band for what it is. Because when we were first really like um, kind of coming up in like the MySpace era, you yeah. know, like... I had no idea what I was doing. I was like 22, 23. And I'm like, Oh cool. I'm in a band and Oh, we're signed. And I'm on tour. Like I had, but I had no idea how any of it worked. I was like, I just thought, you know, you get signed and then, uh, and then you're touring with Motley Crue after that. That's, that was, that was, yeah, there was nothing in between. It was just, okay, we signed the contract. Where's my bus. Sure. You know? Cool. And I kind of learned the hard way and, you know, definitely burned a couple of bridges that I shouldn't have just by, you know, not understanding that music is a, is very much a business, at least to, to industry people like they're, I mean, yes, obviously they care about music because there's plenty of industries that make money that make a lot more money than music sure. does. So they do care about music, but they also have to run their business and they yeah. have to operate like no one gets into into any business to break even mm -hmm. or to lose money. The, the, you know, the thing that's so weird about like this metal shit is it's a very youth driven culture. Mm -hmm. So it's like regardless of what they like and regardless of what music you like that you're making, they're gonna go for whatever sells. So that's yeah. whatever the fucking kids like. Exactly. And you know, neither of us are getting any younger. And <laughs> while I'm like into. Like I, I respect like the newer generation of stuff, but mm -hmm. I mean like even when like bands like a lot of like deathcore stuff was new at the time, like mm -hmm. I it wasn't my thing. Yeah. And then like I've had a hard time being in a metal band since because like you know we're constant we're we've been perpetually stuck in two thousand and three <laughs> for the past fucking twelve years. But that's yeah. just what we like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like I'd rather just do something that I like and maybe one day it'll it'll loop around and some mm. people will like it. But for me, it's always been more of like a, I think it's really important to do something that you believe in instead of like trying to cater to like nothing. You yeah. don't want to be like the, you know, pushing 40 and trying to cater to 20 year olds. <laughs> like they're going to see right through that yeah. shit, you know? And it's like, it's weird. Cause it's, that's another thing that kind of took me just years to understand this. Like while the younger audience is probably the, the majority of it, there's still a huge market like in the next kind of age group up where it's like mid twenties to oh, like yeah. 40 where that's like the real, and that's, it's like the music that I, at least for metal, like that I listen to more, most of the time is like older guys metal. Like they're not old bands. They're just like, 
the the scene for it is tends to not be like sure. kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the um I'm trying to think of like a band that's a good example of that. Um that's new. Like there's so there's this band, uh, I think they're from England called Conjurer. Okay. They're like um kind of somewhere between hardcore and like doom in a sense. Like the 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 doom and hardcore crowd tends to be like older than like the deathcore crowd yeah. or the metalcore crowd even. And there's a lot that there's a, there's a lot of room in that age demographic that you can still like completely succeed in. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it always music will always do that. Like, you know, the stuff that you know, like how, how old are you? 35. Oh, me too. All right, eighty six, bud. Boom. <laughs> you know, like well, like the stuff that we grew up on. Obviously, like usually you just like the stuff that you liked when you were a kid. Uh-huh. Like you still like the same shit. But there's new bands that come out that are that I'm still probably the target demographic for, even though they're not an old band. They're not even necessarily older people in the bands, you know. But it still like appeals to someone like me who like. You know, I don't necessarily like the same metal that an eighteen-year-old kid would. I yeah. do in a sense because I play it technically. <laughs> like I still play it in a deathcore band, but you know, like I, I think I, I I wouldn't. I would call you guys like oh definitely. I don't know if I would put it in the deathcore realm. I think mm. I think there's hints. thank you. I think there's hints mm-hmm. of it uh, for sure, but I think that it's just more. I I don't know. I would. It's chaos. I would mm-hmm. just call the breathing process chaos. That's a good description. Which, <laughs> you know what I mean? I it's like more symph- people thought of it like symphonic that. chaos. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna brand that. <laughs> now. Yeah, like we're that, so kind of what I was saying before. Like when when we were first kind of on our first run with the band, you know, when that was when deathcore was first really happening. And it was still very much like in its infancy. So to us, like we had, we didn't think of ourselves as deathcore ever because it was still a new term even. Sure. And then once it started to catch on more, you know, to me, we didn't sound anything like Suicide Silence or Whitechapel or anything like that. So when people called us a deathcore band, I was always like, how? Like, I don't get it. Like, sure. But we, we sound, we play like, black metal chords and stuff. Yeah. Know? I mean, but the, the, the longer time has gone on and I've like kind of observed that era as a whole, I get it. Like we were in, we were in the same scene. We're touring with the same bands. We're like, you know, it's we're yeah. signed to a label that has like death core bands and stuff. So, you know, now I kind of get why, cause we at our, at the core of us, like we, that's what we are. We just have a very heavy black metal influence. And over the years, we've kind of slowly or gradually like swapped the positions. So right now, like everyone calls it blackened deathcore, and we're trying, especially with our new album, it's like we're more of a deathcore influenced black metal band than a black metal influenced sure. deathcore band. Now, yeah, I think, you know? I mean, like, I guess like it, the, the, the whole like deathcore term seems so silly to me because... <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's like, okay, what 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 are we talking about? Death metal and hardcore mm-hmm. together, right? In some form. So like yeah. what make what elements of hardcore are we talking about? Like, oh, like the grooves that you break into yeah. mixed with blast beats? Like, well, there's 
death metal bands that do that or right. like slam bands, you know? So it's like, then what, what, where do we put those bands? Like, you know what I mean? Like There's so was, many like funny, was like, like, if you listen to like old dying fetus, right? Like, yeah. is that like proto death Like any, but, yeah. But I mean like back in the day, nobody was like, they're a death core band. Has right. anybody ever called dying fetus a death core no, band? Or like suffocations. Another yeah. Good example yeah. Of that. Like, yeah. They're, like there's, they had, breakdowns if, sure if you'd call it that just and, like heavy groove parts you yeah know? like that so and that's i've i've seen a lot of like online debate as far as like who is the first deathcore band and stuff and it's like if you really start uh going down the rabbit hole like you can find stuff like early suffocation or dying fetus like they've always been heavy bands they've always had blast beats just they don't have the kind of hardcore style syncopated like repeating chug pattern break sure there's no like i think like maybe some elements of what is like death core mm-hmm. have like a surprising like pop influence in terms of like song structure and i don't yeah. want to say predictability but reliability yeah like you know that like this it. is the part when the breakdown's <laughs> gonna come this is the black you, you get yeah. it it's a reliable format as a listener right it's i guess i mean in a weird way you could look at it as simplified death metal sure i guess like it's and maybe that's where the hardcore influence comes in because hardcore isn't like an extremely technical genre oh sure yeah it's I not mean, like, there are technical sounding hardcore bands for sure but as a as a standard like we need like a like a, like like a prog core scene to start up i feel like that exists because everything exists <laughs> but i can't i can't think of a band that i would call prog core because if if it was they would like what's the, what would be the difference between that and like tech death you know it's like kind of yeah. the same it's so it's, it seems yeah. like you could call it progressive death metal the, the the genre thing is so weird because like when gray walker was first getting started like we really got lumped like people were like oh like it's metalcore and like i guess mm-hmm. like i can kind of hear it in the way that maybe you could hear deathcore in some elements of you know breathing process but it's like, okay, when I think of like metalcore, I think of like Bullet for My Valentine or mm. Kill Switch Engage or Parkway Drive. It's yeah. like the only cool metalcore band that I can think of off the top of my head would be like Shadows Fall. Mm-hmm. But like, we're like not even in that. It's not yeah. really me, what we're doing. To me, you guys are like more of a like Swedish mellow death kind of sure. band. Although the one metal, like, I don't know if I'll get like killed for calling this band metalcore, but I'm like, I came up in like the you know, the, I don't know. I think you'd call it technically the second wave, which was like bands like kill switch and shadows fall and stuff. Yeah. Um, but darkest hour, you guys reminded me of a lot Yeah, in that sense. Cause they're not the darkest hour doesn't rely on like breakdowns or anything like that. They're just the, the melodic riffs and the fast. Yeah. And know, that's, we've and never had like a couple of the older songs have kind of breakdowny parts. Mm-hmm. They're like some syncopation stuff, but there's never been like a breakdown in a gray Walker mm-hmm. song. Like and like and a like a very like, you know, like unearth style yeah. sort of like in, in the hardcore yeah, sense. Yeah, that's never. Which yeah. man, unearth, killer band. <laughs> Jesus unearth. Christ! I went. I saw <laughs> the the endless EP release show in a VFW hall, and it was madness. I believe it because like we're I the band is our band is initially from Connecticut where I grew up and then. <clears throat> Uh, I moved here and kind of re, I don't know, re, remade it in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the scene that I was like 
kind of coming up in before I was like really a serious like musician was all bands like that, like Unearth and I, uh, Kill Switch. I was at the um, the Fixation on the Darkness video shoot. Oh, it was, cool. at, it was at this club called Fat Cats. And it was completely sold out. Me and my friend just happened to like score tickets like the day of, like before it sold out. And I remember like getting out of school and driving up to, because I mean, Springfield is only like 20 minutes away from where I grew up. And just getting to see like bands like that, but when they're like early days, you know, like when they were still kind of grinding in the underground, it, it was, it's so cool to see like just, where they've taken the genres of music and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like Killswitch was always the talk of the town or the scene back then because <laughs> they were like, yo, they just signed a Roadrunner Records and like they're going to be here. And then like a year later, they were the biggest metalcore band on earth. Uh-huh. They're still probably top five at least. Oh, easily. Top yeah. three maybe in terms of, you know, popularity. I think Bring Me the Horizon is probably the hip top, but I don't know if you'd really call them metalcore anymore. Because they're different. Yeah, like that yeah. that era of metalcore versus like what came after, uh-huh. which kind of started with uh with Under Oath and uh what was that album? The, well, they had their own changing, changing, the changing of times. Oh, okay. that, was, that was when they started like because the, the, the old Under Oath, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was they they were like like on the borderline of like death metal. They're from yeah. the first Cries from the Past EP, but when um. Sorry, I completely spaced on the album name that I just said. Uh, changing of times. Changing of times. When that album came out, that that to me is like what changed metalcore from like the more Swedish death metal influence to what it is now, which is like more melodic, more yeah. singy chorus. All the like radio like pop sort of. Yeah. The reliability again. Yeah. Yeah. They brought they brought all that in for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Back then, like everything was metalcore before all the subgenres started getting split up. Because uh-huh. like, now, like people go back and listen to stuff like, um, like one of my favorite bands ever is uh, Blood Has Been Shed, which was Howard Jones's band before he joined Killswitch. They were just like a local Connecticut band, but they they were signed like to Ferret. They'd been, you know, they have like national recognition. Yeah. They just weren't as big as Killswitch was. And when you listen to them now most people would probably call them a deathcore band. But at the time, deathcore didn't exist. Everything that was like screaming and breakdowns was all just considered pretty much metalcore. Yeah. Unless you were like a straight up like hardcore band. If you were just nothing but beatdowns or like the kind of youth crew style hardcore with more chanty vocals and stuff like that, like Bane. Yeah, there wasn't like, there wasn't as much crossover and i think that that's why a lot of that stuff blew up because it was like you can do this yeah and it's funny because like metal is such a young genre of music in Mm -hmm. the in the way that we know it i mean you can go back maybe 50 or 60 years if you want to like dig into like the origins like one of those like nerdy documentaries which are cool No beat. I do that all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like for like extreme heavy metal, you know what I mean? Like we're starting in the 80s with yeah. the extreme stuff, right? Yeah. And then, you know, so from 1980, like extreme metal has been around pretty much as long as we have Yeah. in a lot of ways. I don't and even know if I'd like, go back to even the earth. Like I feel like it was like mid and late 80s when it was really like a thing. Well, sure. I think like, you know, like if you take like, uh, I think, you know, like, 
your Slayers and your mm. Metallicas and your Exoduses and, you know, all that, those bands that were coming up in the early mid eighties yeah. getting real big. They were the ones that really like, at least on a popular level, mm. like they were big enough to be playing like huge places. So I'm sure yeah. there were a lot of underground bands too, that like influenced them to get to that next level. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but it's so funny where it's like, we're only talking about like, you know, like a 30, 40 year period and music's been around for thousands of years. Right. So of course it's going to change so much. It's just, we need to like calm down on the subgenre things. We already have 5 million subgenres in a 40 year period. What's going to yeah. happen in the next two decades? Right. How exactly. are we going to be able to keep up? Every with band this? is going to be their own genre pretty soon. Yeah. You know? Like or if it keeps kind of going like that, I guess. But the thing is like, and I see so many kids like argue over, over what is classified as what genre, like even on, you know, some of our videos where like, I'll read comments and people are like, this isn't, this isn't black and go listen to this. That's black. And it's like, well, okay. But why, why is like this? What, what are the, what are the indicators here? Cause there's only so many things you can put into music. Sure. Or it's not music anymore. Yeah. If there, uh, if, if you can, like <clears throat> if you can like take an entire, like there's no way to just take an entire subgenre of music and like associate it with like one song. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like a genre should be able to be flexible and have a lot of different potentials. Yeah. Otherwise, it shouldn't be its own genre if it's so, like, niche. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, like, yeah, that's what, what I, kind of like what I said before, like, we never, we never noticed that we were a part of any genre. Like, to us, we're just playing what we want to play. And, like, you know, we listened at the time to, like, black metal and listen to a lot of death metal. So we were like, one day it was like a light bulb. We wrote a song that had like some orchestra stuff on it. And we started changing kind of the, the chord progressions from the more melodic metal core stuff to more minor chord tremolo stuff. And was like, Whoa, this sounds really cool. Let's keep writing songs like this. Yeah. And now in 2021, it's like its own kind of subgenre where it's blackened death core. Yeah. It's kind of weird that like, Every it's a why do we need to put all of these labels on things and yeah. be like you know I'm a I'm a black and deathcore guy like right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a stoner doom guy mm-hmm. I'm a I'm like a a progressive uh, power metal guy like you know like I guess it does help I guess I mean it, I, it gives if someone tells me something like that I can like okay I got an idea of like the type of bands you listen to I guess yeah so that way it's helpful it's just like the argument over who belongs in this subgenre or this subgenre or this one. Like the, I read a whole argument thread about who was the first death core band. And uh, some people would argue that it's, there's this band from California called An- Antagony. I think they were called. Um, <clears throat> and people, and I, I remember commenting once like, you have to understand, like, at that time, and you're, you're talking, like, late 90s, maybe early 2000s, yeah. when, like, just the, the that was when Antagony was around, but ju- just the the kind of, the the building blocks to the deathcore genre kind yeah. of started around. I think and, of, like... But it depends on where you're yeah, from, yeah. because the internet wasn't, like, a huge totally. thing then. And, kids, I mean, of course, in 2021, it's like, what do you mean we didn't have internet in every 
aspect of our lives. Like, (laughs) but back in that time, like it really wasn't like people, you didn't have internet on your phone. You couldn't just, you couldn't just go on like YouTube and type in like, you know, death metal and have a hundred different options in front of you. No, not when we were in high school. Yeah. I think like when I think about like, I had like buddies that would like bring in like burned CDs of mm -hmm. stuff that they got from like some weird forum. (laughs) And like when I'm thinking about like, I think like, one of the first bands that I remember really that I would be like, oh, this was like deathcore would have been like decapitated. Right. So now there are death metal purists that would just slap you right in the mouth for calling, how dare you call decapitated deathcore. But know? I mean like, but they know. were really like, they, they had that on uh, the album, uh, Nihility. Yeah. 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 Uh, that triggered bass drum. Like, that was the first time I'd ever heard that. Yeah, heard that's the, the first time like from. hearing is something like that. And at the time, I'm like, you know, I didn't wasn't like, oh, this is deathcore. That didn't exist. Right. Like, but like, if you cool think about metal like band. the blueprints of it, that's when like me talking about before when I'm thinking about like death metal bands that just had groove. Yeah. Like dying V's decapitate. Like that's so like when I started hearing new bands doing this, I'm like, the only thing that seems really different about this is like one band can sell a shirt at Hot Topic and the other <laughs> can't. So is yeah. that what this is? Is I this mean, like a mark, like um, like it's it's just marketable enough to get yeah. like this like cute so, little catchy name? So, um, so just my point a second ago, like I feel like people it, it would have depended at the time on the region that you're from, like because you didn't have the internet mm-hmm. to link everything. So to me, like the first the first deathcore sounding band that I ever heard was uh, probably the Red Chord. Okay. And I, like, because, again, another Massachusetts band, like, I've we used to yeah. play hall shows with them and shit. <laughs> like, it's crazy just how big metal is now. But anyways, like, um, hold on, I'm like, my, my brain is like a million different directions. Death Chord, first band, Red Chord. Yes. But the, the question you had, it was like, after, yeah. The last thing that you said. I have no idea. We were talking about just like, <laughs> I was just talking about decapitated, decapitated and dying fetus and like that being like my introduction based off oh, of like, okay. you know, a high like, but that wasn't even like an introduction to anything. Yeah. That was just like, yo, check out this CD. And right. like, that's the first time I remember hearing like those kinds of grooves, especially like the decapitated stuff, like those cool, like syncopated things and stuff mm. like, like, I've never heard anything quite like this. Like it's familiar, yeah. but it's different in its own way. So you're wondering like what what defines like deathcore in comparison to something. Yeah, because like then, then like you know we're so, talking about like like the bands that are marketable. Like it seems like like you know like you're not going to see a dying fetus or like a decapitated mm-hmm. shirt like at the mall. Right. But you were seeing like suicide silent shirts and bring me the horizon. It's like, okay. Well, what's yeah. the difference? It's like so okay, one's they, a group of like hairy, ugly dudes, and the others like. <laughs> A bunch of like you know cute teenagers in skinny jeans, but if you close your eyes and listen to these, these are very comparable sound sounds. Similar, yeah, right. So it's I think what and this is kind of what made Suicide Silence really blow up. And you know I've um to again this was like that was like the time that we were really starting to get kind of on the national level or whatever. Suicide Silence took they took death metal and made it in a much neater and more listenable package. So it's it's, it's reliable. It's really just down to simpler. It's simplified song structures without compromising like the heaviness or the technicality. 
it's really the same thing that Slipknot did. It's just in a different time, a different sure. era. Yeah. And like, there's so many kids like, or they, they hate Slipknot because they look at it as like, you know, novelty at this point in time. But when they came out, that was really what they did was they took, cause new metal at the, at that time had completely crushed the momentum of death metal. In the early 90s, death metal was really like getting a hard look from big labels like Cannibal Corpse and DSI and stuff like all of them were either they, they were either signed by bigger labels and you, you would imagine signing a death metal band yeah. or were at least being like courted by them. Yeah. Because I mean, they looked at it as the next the next thing dude, after, you know, the hair metal I mean, died out. Put it this way. It's like we're we're the same age. Yeah. We're talking about not having access to the internet or anything like that. We're 12, 13, 14 years old. We know who Cannibal Corpse is. Yeah. We know who Deicide is at that age. Yeah. And the only way that a 13-year-old with no internet access really knows about Cannibal Corpse is because they're probably a pretty big fucking band. Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> you know? like they, yeah. I didn't even really realize this until I got like much older and kind of started really studying how the music industry works and like you know, new metal kind of came along and showed, because like I said before, you know, labels like music, it's very much a business to the people other than the artists, you know, that are involved in it. So new metal came along and it was still like roughly the same demographic, but it was able to, they could market it to way more, more way more people were interested in it because it was easier to listen to. And then Slipknot came out and just, buried it by implementing death metal. A lot of people forget that like the core members of Slipknot came from death metal bands. They weren't yeah. like in, you know, like they weren't always just in new metal bands and just started playing that, you know, or the same with like Ryan from uh, Mudvayne, the bass player. He's like well-documented, like deicide cannibal corpse. Like that's most of the shit he listens to. And like, I don't understand why, again, it's, it's more like genre snob stuff. Like, you hate Slipknot because in comparison to bands now, yes, there's million, there's tons of bands that are way heavier than Slipknot is sure. than anything Slipknot ever made, probably. But that like But they they basically blew the door open for things like Deathcore to exist sure. because it re it redirected the metal genre back to heavy, back to extreme. Because where it was going, like and now it's kind of funny it's like full circle like everyone loves limp biscuit again but for a good like 15 years like limp biscuit was the corniest thing on earth to everybody yeah you know and now all of a sudden now that now that it's like we're out of the woods and no one gives a shit what people think about people's personal music choices anymore yeah now it's okay to admit like you know what i like three dollar bill y'all like yeah i had that album like everyone did those were fun you know? records they sure were that's the thing it's like it, it can't be all serious all the time, which is what makes it really hard sometimes mm. for me to be in a band. Granted, with Greywalker, we goof off a good bit and like we're not like on paper a very like serious looking band. Yeah. You motherfuckers are very, very much, you know, rooted in an aesthetic that I think is appropriate for you guys. Like I don't mm. I don't want to hear that shit that you're doing and see you being goofy on stage. Neither do I. You know, like <laughs> that's it's we're uh, yeah, like it's, it should be at least in my in terms of my like philosophy on it or whatever. Like, I mean, obviously we don't just walk around in all black clothing. And, oh, I have all black. Clothing. Don't. <laughs> okay. Listen, this is, <clears throat> this was a mistake with my wardrobe. Um, 
Can we get me a new shirt here, guys? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. They'll they'll get me in a, another color. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, we're not, like, doom and gloom people, like, totally. as we walk around in public. But, like, what our music is, like, that's, it's, it's, it's dark. It's dark subject matter. Yeah. So, like, if we came out in, like, Speedos and had balloons sure. and shit everywhere, like, it would kind of what's the point of playing yeah. dark music now? Like we should just play something a little different. And I think that's the thing that like, I don't know if maybe people realize this later, but like Limp Biscuit was never really meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. So I don't know why people started like treating them in this way where it's like you had to observe them through the same lens that you would observe like yeah. a Slipknot or a heavier band like that. They were supposed to be as a party. It was yeah. supposed to be a fun party. And Absolutely. now it's just like, it was always kind of silly. I mean, they got popular off of a ridiculous George Michael cover, right? <laughs> it's like, why Still do you my think least favorite weird? Limp Bizkit song? Yeah. Why do you think it's funny or weird now that like Fred Durst has a silly outfit on and is trolling a bit? Like it's, it's I think always it's, been kind of a joke. I think it's fucking it's brilliant. Awesome. I'm, it's awesome. But it's I'm on like, board with Limp Bizkit's new vibes. Yeah, I just don't understand like, but I think that like people are just very surface level. That's really what it comes mm -hmm. down to. And I think that, you know, when Slipknot was a thing, like there was bands at the time, like I had already, I owned, you know, Dying Fetus CDs and Cannibal Corpse CDs and DSI, like all this stuff was around before yeah. I heard Slipknot. Mm. And I was like, okay, this isn't the heaviest thing I've ever heard, but this is still pretty fucking cool. It's because they took, <laughs> yeah. they took death metal and they put it in a neat little yeah. package that anyone who liked remotely aggressive music could listen to and, and enjoy. Sure. And they had really relatable lyrics for that generation oh yeah so that's i was really, fucking you know i was the angriest 15 teenager years old fuck yeah like yeah i was very much like the 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 stereotypical like fuck you mom like type of teenager totally. i was an asshole when i was a kid totally. but that that music like that was the backdrop to like how everything that i felt when mm -hmm. i was that age you know yeah and i think that maybe you know i had some older friends that never like really gave it a chance or gave much of a shit because yeah. it was Slipknot. And I remember like when Iowa came out, I'm like, yo, <laughs> listen to this record. It right. is fucking, nah, it's Slipknot. It started, like they, they made blast beats, like people's moms knew what a blast beat was uh -huh. because of that record, you know? Yeah. Like, and that's like, people get so snobby about like genres and, uh, you know, oh, well, it's Slipknot. Like it's, it's the cool, it, the people think that it's cool to like not like something when really it's the complete opposite. Like there's, they, people are like, it's, it's it makes me cooler because I don't like what everyone else likes. Like my my musical palette is so refined mm -hmm. that I was I came out of the womb with a cannibal corpse shirt on. <laughs> I've never I've never listened to corn or any of that nonsense. Like it's you know, it's like okay, sure thing, bud. Sure, know? yeah. Like it, like you're not that cool. Yeah, I think that's you know? the other thing too, just like keeping in mind where it's like when Slipknot came out for us, we were barely teenagers you know yeah. and like we're just so, uh, it's like the, it's the whole package it's like okay this is accessible it's heavy they look cool the songs are angry mm -hmm. fuck it all fuck this world fuck everything that you stand for right i would have tattooed don't that belong, on my fucking don't forehead don't give a shit don't ever judge me <laughs> i'll never forget right 
That's like, <laughs> you know, I that wanted that to be my first tattoo, and I'm I'm like I love Slipknot to death. Yeah, I'm so happy I didn't get that tattoo though because that that would have been a real uh, um, a real hard one to explain to some people. I'm pretty sure that there was like you know a point in time in my life when I also would have gotten a Slipknot tattoo if mm. I would have been uh, given the ability. How do you do feel so. about about band tattoos? Like when people get. I have logos. I have several band tattoos. Do you? Yeah. What do you got? I have a Portishead tattoo. I have a Descendants tattoo and a Glassjaw tattoo. Ooh, Glassjaw's my jam. <laughs> so it's so weird. Like I always said that my first tattoo was going to be Eddie. I wanted to get an Iron Maiden <sighs> Eddie tattoo. I still to this day do not have one. Right. I have a lot of well, other get it. What are you? Tattoos. What are you waiting for? I don't know. Get an Eddie like right on the hand or something. You I'm know? not sure. That's I, a respectable I, tattoo I think, in the metal community. I, I think feel like. that you got to figure out like what Eddie am I going to get? That's true. That happened a lot. I'm thinking like mummy, mummy power slave era. Eddie. That, is would probably, make, that would make a solid tattoo. Probably the I one like, I'm going to go for. I feel like Iron Maiden is in that echelon where like nobody is going to judge you for having an Iron Maiden tattoo. Well, I mean, I don't give a like, shit. Like they would they judge do. you if you had a new metal tattoo or like. I'd get yeah. a corn tattoo. I'm just going to get a backwards R. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know? I've wanted, like, I remember when I was a teenager, like, I used to draw all over myself because I always envisioned that I would I would have tattoos, like, and I'm, you know. Get, it happened. I'm getting there. I yeah. Guess. But I wanted, like, every band's, like, logo. I was just like, I'm going to get a sleeve. It's just, like, corn and Mudvayne and Ramstein and Limp Bizkit. <laughs> and I think back on it now, like, man, that would have looked like shit if I, had, like, had committed to that at that age. I'm glad that they don't let you get a tattoo under the age of 18. Sure. And I'm glad that I listened to my mom <laughs> and didn't get one until I turned 18. Thanks mom. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> so with uh, the breathing process right now, you've been putting out some singles. You got a record coming out. Mm -hmm. I guess let's, let's promo the current a bit. Let's, let's, okay. let's, let's get out of our, 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 our teenage daydream. <laughs> And, we, could, uh, we could talk about that forever. Let's I'd, talk. Let's talk yeah. business a bit. Right on. So what's going on? So uh, we have a new album called Labyrinthian that comes out October eighth on uh, Unique Leader Records. It will be available everywhere. There's still pre-orders. I think that um, the vinyl variant is getting really low in terms of availability. Like they're, I think they press like a thousand of them, and there's like a hundred left, something like that. And then I don't know if they'll, I'm pretty sure if they sell out, then we'll just do a different color variant or something yeah. like that. So it's funny because like every band, vinyl is really hot right now. It's a hot commodity to sell because it's cool. It's nostalgic. And I love like the big gatefold artwork of like bands albums. I don't think I have a record player in my house, but we have like a bunch of vinyls just because it's cool to look at yeah. sometimes. Um, and I mean, if I ever got one, they do function as listening yeah. things. But um, like every other band on Unique Leader has like four or five like crazy color variant vinyls. And we don't, not because they don't like us, but because our album is too long. So we had to, oh, it's a, we, it's we a had double LP. It's a, yeah, yeah, we had to print it as a double. And it was, it's only long by like eight minutes, but it was either cut like, Two, we would have to cut two songs to get it under the yeah line. that's so it would have been it would have been an eight song album if we wanted to do like multiple color variants that's why mm -hmm. so many like old school albums like if you listen to like the like the old like ride the lightning or mm -hmm. fucking rain and blood all it's like they're short albums because they were all made for vinyl. the vinyl format yeah. you know they didn't have a choice yeah you know? I, I still i mean to mm -hmm. this day i don't think that i've 
Um, most albums that I do, I, I do a vinyl release for, so I keep mm-hmm. that in mind. Like when we're like writing, like this is enough, <laughs> enough for. I mean, forty minutes of music is pretty solid, right? That's a lot of music. Absolutely, I think I think our album is like forty eight. <laughs> or something like that. We, like I said, we literally missed it by like eight minutes. But then we don't have any song that's eight minutes to make up the space. So it's like either we cut, we just would have to cut two. Well, that's cool. So is it four sides then? You guys split it up onto four sides? Yes. Cool. Well, it's probably, I mean, if, if that's the case, it's probably going to sound pretty fucking good because yeah. you don't want to squeeze too much music, especially right. with something that's as dynamic mm-hmm. as the music that you guys do because there's so much going on. I so, learned that with this record whenever yeah. um the uh, david taro produced it he he does like uh cattle decapitation and stuff like that he's from colorado he did our second album too actually but he pointed out that the more songs that you put on a side it, the it, it lessens the audio quality or whatever mm-hmm. i had no idea because we've never printed vinyl before. yeah yeah so i was like well shit i guess we're gonna have to not have pretty colors and just go with a double lp yeah but they did manage to give us this cool like lava looking color variant which i like a lot um so yeah that comes out october 8th we just released a single another single friday this past friday um that's on like youtube and stuff and on digital streaming service services i almost said surfaces (laughs) (laughs) um and then we have one more music video that comes out uh september 14th i want to say cool 13th or 14th one of those two days yeah and it's funny because we have to this is what happened with our the first two music videos that we shot that we've released so far we filmed both of them in like the same days and um we basically the guy who uh, eric DiCarlo, the guy who shot both of them he's shooting the one that we're doing uh next month also he had to basically film us in a day and then edit it in a matter of hours and it was released like the day after really yeah just because his schedule is like super hectic so like <laughs> we have to if we don't get in this day it's going to be like months and months before we're wow. able to do it again okay. and being on like a label with like their release schedule it's like this song has to come out on this day got it there's no wiggle room it can't come out the day after or the day before this is the day yeah so it's so the one we're about to shoot, like we're going to New Jersey to shoot it, and then it comes out like two days later, and it's really stressful to do it that way. That's wild to me. <laughs> he manages to do it though, like both of those videos he edited in like a few hours, cool. and they both look like great. And I'm excited to uh, see what the next one looks like because we're trying to do some weird stuff with it. I guess I can't reveal too much. About no, it. don't, don't, you want to don't, don't yeah. spoil it. Just know that it's, it's in video format. Oh, nice. There's music on it. That's pretty I cool. I, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we got that. Um, we have a show at, uh, preserving underground on September 26th with, uh, signs of the swarm and worm shepherd who are also on unique leader records. Both of those bands. Um, so we're just, you know, having a having a fun day for that, I guess. Tickets available online. Yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. All that fun stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I guess there's not too much else to really uh talk about in regards with the band. You know, mm-hmm. I would say if you're into chaos, I would go check it out. Uh I think it's pretty tight. If you like evil. I think that it's you want to piss uh, off your mom and dad. Yeah, it's we're it, for you. I love watching um, you guys play live. 
because there's like so much that's going on and it's really rad now because you have like a full lineup, mm. you know, and it's cool to see like everybody executing all of the layers because like, you, you really got to like zone in because like <laughs> it's really easy to kind of just be like, okay, like there's like just this again, like a wall of chaos. Yeah. But like if you like get through it, you're like looking in and like, holy shit. Okay. Like there's that really cool little guitar nuance thing there. And that keyboard parts really cool. And all this little nuance drum stuff that's going on. <laughs> it's like going a thousand miles a minute. Yeah. But if you can like take it in, it's really cool. I always recommend if they come see us when you're really stoned. Okay. <laughs> it will just, it will clear up a lot of that for you. No, we like, we're, we're very much like we have always strive to be a, a live band, like a band that you have to kind of see to, to, to get. And I think that's how most metal should be. Absolutely. That's how I describe Cause I mean, every one of us has like non metal friends that know nothing about metal or metal bands, metal. They don't know. They don't know the sub genres. Uh, that make them sound cool uh-huh. that they know about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always explain to them like it's you have to go to a concert, go to a concert and see it, like experience that kind of energy transfer that occurs at metal concerts because it's unique to to that genre. I've because I I listen to nearly every genre of music and a, and actually am a fan of someone in every almost every genre except country. I still, I still can't do country music doesn't do anything for me i've tried fair enough yeah it's i'm sorry if you have people that like country that's and okay. stuff i uh i appreciate the talent it takes to make but i i never listen to it and i'm like man yeah that's uh-huh. that's exactly how i feel you know anyways um i explained to my non-metal friends that if you go see it you'll understand it you'll understand it a lot more and i've taken um like my friends that are not into even music really let alone metal to like concerts and then like they're like oh okay like it's it's a place to let out like negativity your negative energy that's why people mosh that's why people hit each other and it's like when you when you leave you feel like it's like it has like a sobering effect to it like you feel like you just let all of that go and i feel like that's what it's like for us as the as the artists as well like the live performance aspect of it you know, that's how I feel like when I'm done playing. I mean, I feel like an old man now when I'm done playing. I have to go stretch. I have to go take <laughs> yeah. like 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. <laughs> and, it doesn't you know, get any easier. Dude. Not at all. You know, I have to have a whole routine before I go on uh-huh. to play now. But yeah, like just live, like we try to just swallow the audience with atmosphere. That's like what we've always been about, I guess. Yeah, and you're very successful. That's that's hard to experience, like listening to it on your phone or in a car or yeah, something like totally, that. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really complicated for us to do because we have so many moving parts in our setup. And even that back at the beginning of our conversation, we have it really simplified for even a dumb sound guy. And some still don't understand. Sure, it, I guess, but it's still a lot. Yeah. It's still a lot. You know? We also experienced at uh, the festival yesterday, like what happens when any of us gets even slightly off from our click track. Oh no! Is that everything turns into a mess? Yeah, yeah. and it's like kind of the risk you run when you do stuff like that. Uh huh. Absolutely. Like it was if we got we got one beat off and on a part that's just guitar. And now, the then when the drums came back in, the backing track is off by a beat. Yep, so yep. when we change chords, the big 
ambient pad sounds that are constantly going throughout everything are all like one note off. And we just kind of recovered by just pretending like that's how it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really wasn't <laughs> like our, like we were all just in our own world and that, that would have sounded like how you describe us as chaos. If you saw us last night, that's the kind of genre. <laughs> that's our that's our new subgenre, where you program everything to a metronome and then ignore it. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's. I'm starting my own wave with that. Don't I'm going to trademark it. Yeah. Well, yo. I mean, like, like seriously, <laughs> like all the love in the world to you guys. I I always enjoy uh, getting to play with you guys. It's Likewise. nice that I'm in like a band that makes sense to play with you, you know? like, you know, back in the day when we met, I was just rolling around on the floor and rapping, <laughs> but Hey, it's still, I'll cool. never forget that. What was that place called? Giorgio's Giorgio's pizzeria. Uh-huh. I believe it was and banquet hall and banquet hall. A very, it was they're <laughs> stretching it on the banquet hall thing. It was, it definitely had banquet hall vibes. I it was remember. a room. Yeah, it was a room. It was, it had a carpet. I remember, uh, low ceiling and a f- I feel like there was a ceiling fan in the room where there was people trying to mosh. Sure. Um, but yeah, that was where we met. I remember oh, we yeah. played a show and I was like, Whoa, this guy raps cool. And then we've been friends ever since. There we are. You know? Here we are all these years later, <laughs> still, still doing the damn thing. Yeah. It wasn't until like even not even that long ago that I even knew that you sang like metal also. Like I, I probably, cause I think I moved here in like, 2012 or 2013 or something yeah. like that. It was only like a year or two after that, I think, that I had heard of like, because I remembered you, because I, I remembered your name, yeah. obviously. And I was like, when I saw the Grey Walker for the first, like on social media, I was like, who's this band from Pittsburgh? Oh, I, why does his name look so familiar? Yeah, it was me. Whoa. And then you're still, so you still do the Sykes stuff, right? Yeah. So well, Sykes I mean, and the New Violence. Yes, but we've changed the band name to Normal Creatures. Ah, okay. Yes. That's a cool name. So, and uh, we are, uh, it's because it's like, it's gone, it's, it's gone way past it just like being me rapping with a backing band. Like we actually write songs together now. And nice. it's, it's more of like a full band thing. So awesome. Yeah. I always appreciate hip hop that performs live with instruments. Yeah. Because it sounds just really good. And it's got that kind of nostalgic 90s vibe to it. Yeah. Even if it doesn't sound like 90s hip hop. Totally. Like just just featuring live instruments versus like a DJ is always Yeah, cool yeah. It me. works for what we're doing, you know. Like yeah. I've always had like, I came from like a rock background. Mm-hmm. I like loud things. That's why I was like rolling around on a floor to backtrack. So I just wanted to be in a band. <laughs> right. But I eventually found, I found the band. So mm. here we are. I no longer roll around on the floor. Much like you, I got to stretch and do things before shows, not get oh, yeah. any younger. Absolutely. But here we are. So mm. with all that being said, <laughs> I'd say let's just pull the plug on this, uh, on this chat. We've been chatting for about <sighs> an hour and that's about all people need to deal with. To be I'm honest. into it. But uh, I like your style. Thank you for coming by. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I'm going to do an outro and then uh, that'll be it. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. One more time. Jordan. Oh, I was watching you do your outro on the That's screen. Okay. It was Just, beautiful. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2021. Woo-woo. Thanks for listening. And we did it. That's a podcast. All right. It happened. Cool, man. I like this place. Hey, thanks for coming by. 